You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. Excited to bring you another uh, really great interview and add some context to the early days of the NFT world, uh, a space that I wasn't very aware of, I wasn't involved, and a lot of really like the nuances of where we were and where we've kind of come to light. So uh, you're really going to enjoy this uh, interview. I will warn you, uh, there's a lot of language used uh, in this uh, interview, so uh, for those that are used to a lot of our episodes not being as heavy uh, in uh, language, just be uh, giving you a little heads up warning uh, for that leading into this episode. But with that, I think you're going to really enjoy some of the insights dropped and some of the really history of NFTs that I wasn't aware of. So uh, with that, over to the interview. That's right, Cheers. friends. Do your own damn research. Thanks again for coming back to another episode of NFT 365. And, you know, as one of the things that I love about the podcast is not only does it open up, you know, new doors and avenues to, you know, kind of understand where we're going as far as the future of, you know, NFTs, Web3, creator economy, and all of those other buzzwords, but it also allows us to kind of delve into, you know, not only different creators, uh, kind of fuel and what, what excites people, but also the path that people kind of come to and, and kind of explore here in this space. And uh, I just want to say, you know, I've had a lot of people reaching out about, you know, some of the NFTs we've bought over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, you know, leading up into, uh, you know, women's, uh, you know, national, or I guess it's International Women's Day uh, on March 8th. And, you know, we're excited that we have actually uh, partnered and became a partner with the Unstoppable domains team and they are doing an unstoppable women's event uh on that day so check out the show notes here um in the in our podcast notes uh to check that out it's gonna be a lot of fun uh 24 hours i believe uh of content and we're excited to be a partner with them as well and on this episode excited to have uh, a guest so you guys aren't stuck just listening to me as i know you most are doing that for many of these days and uh you know mac i want to say first of all thanks for jumping in and joining us uh you you have a, I mean, a pretty amazing and interesting background as far as the projects you've been involved in, how long you've been in this space, uh, everything from, you know, from the, the origin, from some of like the OG, uh, we have Crypto Kitties, and then of course, Stoner Cats, uh, as well as up to kind of Ghostbusters uh, and some of the things there. So I, I would love to know, you know, Mac, first of all, I, I'm curious, just how do you introduce yourself or how do you ask, you know, answer that annoying question of like, what do you do for a living? Like, what, what's your take on that? Uh, I have spent most of my adult life trying to convince my parents that I do not sell drugs for a living. And the first time that that actually and truly worked was when we made Crypto Kitties. So uh, four or five, I guess we're, I guess five years ago, five years ago, I was working at a company called Axiom Zen. And my boss, who was also a friend of mine, was named Roham. And Roham said, Mac, I need you to make the blockchain fun. 
And I said, Roham, that's a fucking dumb idea. Nobody cares about the blockchain except libertarian mouth breathers. Like, this is, this is not what we're here to do. And he said, it's cool that you have an opinion, but how about you shut the fuck up and do your job? And I was like, sir, yes, sir. He hates it when I tell the story this way. It's not exactly accurate, but it's loosely accurate. So I went away and I was like, man, there's three things that I know to be true. One of them is that I've always wanted to build a gardening game, a game where you're like you put a seed in the ground and you don't know what will come out the other side. And then two, uh, we've been making a bunch of consumer apps at the time. And I'd come to the conclusion that cats were not opt in. They were opt out. Like if you were building things for normal people, you did not explain why you use cats. You explained why you didn't use cats because they're the gasoline of the Internet and YouTube is proof. And three, I seen a crypto punk. And for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, like, I care about this. I want to buy one. So I bought a CryptoPunk for $35 because this was 2017. And I brought all these things together and I went back to work and I said to my boss and the rest of the team, I said, guys and girls, we're going to make cats fuck on the blockchain. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to mine Bitcoin by having cats fuck in this game on the blockchain. And Dieter, who is a, a, you know co-worker of mine looked at me and he's like what you said makes absolutely no sense but i could create a new standard on the ethereum blockchain because it is a programmable world computer and then we could use this non-fungible token standard to make your cats fuck and so Dieter wrote the 721 standard with the help of smart people all over the world and uh then we started dap oh well crypto kitties blew up and then we started dapper labs and did uh, top shot and all that that's loosely. And, and and then, oh, yeah, then my parents were finally like, OK, you don't sell drugs because The New York Times is interviewing you about hundred thousand dollar pictures of cartoon cats. Great way of kind of convincing them that you don't sell drugs. So I'm first of all impressed with that. Uh, there's many parts that in there. The first one I have to ask, you said you always wanted to create a gardening game where you put in a seed and something came out the other end. Like, what, yeah. what's the origin of that? Like, I mean, because I feel like it, I mean, uh, it's like a Sims, you know, I'm a a pager wearing millennial, which just means I'm 40 years old. I was born in 81. So I, I could kind of see where you're going there, but like, what was the origin of that kind of you know desire? Um, I wanted to build. So, so I like when not making NFTs, I make video games professionally. That's, that's um, how I just make my living before we got into these NFT things and came up with the standard and all that. And I always wanted to make a game that was like, audibly pleasing and so i had this idea that if you put seeds in the ground and you didn't know what flowers would come up then different butterflies and different birds would come and the songs of the birds as the thing that you're actually collecting would be a beautiful sort of like cohesive experience for not just your eyes and not just the dopamine hits in your head and that was where the gardening game was coming from i literally wanted to make a bird song game and and so and, and and that idea was like in 2010. I mean, there's been lots of fucking garden games, to be clear. It's not like that was a wildly original idea. I just wanted this thing where you collected butterflies and birds and especially the sounds of birds based on the unknown outcome of the seeds that you plant in the ground. That sounds compelling to me. I, I like games. and That sounds like a compelling game. I like that. I like I mean, it sounds pretty damn compelling to me as well. I, and I and I love it. So you, would you say that you from, maybe from a game creation perspective, do you consider yourself a gamer from like from that perspective? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
So, uh, so I'm curious. So you went, you know, to conv- you know, convincing your parents that you're not selling drugs. You put cats fucking on the internet, and then you decided stoner cats. After that, made a lot of sense, right? <laughs> like, they're, 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 I love like you know, a hey, you know, leaned in on the cat premise. But you know, the the bigger underlying piece here, and I think this will be good for our audience. You know, the ERC seven twenty one component that you mentioned is really the it's the fundamental piece of every single nft collection that we all are familiar with now how what did it look like kind of before that and like how wild was that kind of coming to that kind of realization as that was happening uh so yes there are literally billions and billions of dollars worth of value sitting on top of the 721 standard and like everybody likes to quote chris dixon the next big thing will start as a toy He's a smart-ass dude, and he was right. Like, literally, cats fucking led to this multi-billion dollar NFT empire we want to talk about. Every single NFT that you can name that matters is a 721 NFT. I mean, I'm being a little bit dramatic. Like, there's some interesting derivatives from the 1155s and parallel and all that. But the two that are not, that are significant, the three, I would say, that are not, that are significant, one, CryptoPunks, because they were first, right? I saw CryptoPunks, which inspired this. So they're not 721s. Two, CryptoKitties actually aren't 721s because one of the function calls wasn't approved, doesn't exist in CryptoKitties that made it into the final 721 standard. And three, uh, Top Shot, a very significant and very significant NFT, is of course not 721 because it's on a different blockchain. But the world before that, and this is what a lot of people don't talk about, was non-fungible tokens in one form or another started out as essentially like an alt-right shitlord meme. And the thing that was big when CryptoPunks were, when they could not fucking give away CryptoPunks, and that's a true story. Go ask the Larva Lab guys about trying to give away punks and not being able to get people to take their free punks. Uh, but what was a huge deal were these goddamn PayPay memes on the XRP blockchain. And everybody likes to sort of glaze over that part of history and not talk about that shit, but it was real and it was true. And it was very confusing because they were user generated, but that was the beginning. And that's what we saw. And we're like, okay, well, let, like, let's not do that. That's not fun or cool or interesting at all. That's some weird alt-right fucking basement dwelling shitlord bullshit. And we would like to, to not be a part of that. Uh, and, and, you know, at the time, like when we launched CryptoKitties, Ethereum fell to its knees. It melted. And I sound like an arrogant asshole saying that, but it's also, it's, it's true. Like the network couldn't handle it. And I got a bunch of really angry messages from people being like, take your fucking cats off of the blockchain. You're destroying a revolution. We're trying to do important work here and your cats broke it. And I was like, well, if my cats broke it, how important was your work? You know, like you tell me, my friend. Uh, but the, the point I'm stumbling towards making and not making very eloquently here is that Everybody was like pretending that they were fucking Neo in the Matrix or that they were Morpheus and that the people they were onboarding were Neo. And websites were literally black with like green vertical text and everything. We made a fucking pink website filled with cat puns. This is the perfect collectible. All sorts of shit like that. It was literally pink. It was approachable. It was friendly. It was weird. And that worked. But that was very, very outside the norm at the time. Now, I'm curious from, you know, I mean, this was like early, early days, right? And for so many people, 
you know, I, you know, we've, we've interviewed a lot of people here on the podcast, you know, talking to a lot of those in the audience, you know, a lot of them were kind of, you know, introduced into NFTs, maybe through Gary Vaynerchuk uh, with, you know, him kind of bringing um, his version onto the scene. Uh, others with Top Shot, of course, or Board Ape Yacht Club. But this is like way before those times. I'm curious, you mentioned how, you know, CryptoPunks, you know, couldn't give them away. How was that initial launch of CryptoKittens? Like, how, what was that experience like? We, um... We went to ETH Waterloo, which is like ETH Denver, but it was in Waterloo. And we went there because it was the one place that we could gather all of the Ethereum enthusiasts in one place. And I didn't go, but Benny and Jordan and Arthur and Fabiano went. And Benny's a goddamn maniac in the best sense of the word. So he made tie-dye shirts for everybody. And he brought like stickers and helium balloons shaped like cats and so, again, in this world where everybody's taking themselves very seriously and the work they're doing is so important and all of this shit, the Axiom Zen team, we weren't Dapper Labs yet because Dapper Labs hadn't existed. This was like two months before we launched. And uh, we went there and you can find these pictures online and they just look like buffoons. They didn't even have tickets to get in. The Friday night of the conference, they stood out front of the conference begging to get in. And then they got in. And they brought an alpha that didn't even have a functioning website. There was only, I think, four possible genes on the cats. And it was on Rinkby, which, as far as I know, doesn't even work anymore. And in that world, they started to build a little bit of buzz. There started to be weird tweets from people being like, huh, what is this? And the big thing was uh, Motherboard, that like vice tech publication or whatever you call it. They wrote a thing about us, and that blew our fucking minds. We were just like, oh, my God, what is going on here? This is crazy. And so we started a Telegram group because this was so long ago that people were not necessarily gathering on Discord. Like, we, we had a Discord eventually, but to be totally honest, our community started the Discord, not us. So we started a Telegram group, and that was about, I think it was six weeks before launch. And so we were just building in public and making sure people knew about what we're doing and our timelines and everything. And then there was two things that happened that were really like, oh, my. And one of those things was this guy named Oleg that I worked with walked up to me in the. So so the first thing we did was we let in Axiom Zen employees onto the live site. And then we let in this beta group of a thousand people that we'd gathered on Telegram. And uh, Oleg walked by me at work and he's like, thanks for the trip to Vietnam. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? And he's like, well, I just sold a crypto kitty for $2,000. Or I sold crypto kitties for $2,000. It wasn't one. I sold a bunch of crypto kitties for $2,000. And I just bought myself a trip to Vietnam because you're fucking ridiculous cats. And I stopped. Like, I know the rest of you are all used to, like, Beeple's $69 million fucking moments or whatever. But this was, an, this was unheard of. We just sold a picture of a cartoon cat on the Internet for $2,000. Nothing like that had ever happened. And I, I was like, oh, man, like, what is going on? This is weird. And then the day before we actually launched, I still remember a message from one guy. I don't know who it was in the Telegram group. And he's like, this is like Christmas. I've never been this excited since I was a child. Tomorrow, CryptoKitties launches. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys are so weird. What is going on? And then we launched. Um, Ethereum fell to its knees. Everything was terrible. Everything was hard. We felt awful. Everything was crazy. Gas spiked. People were spending you know, hundreds of dollars on transactions that weren't going through. It was totally insane. And I was here at my parents' house, where I live now, but I didn't at the time. I was just visiting them at the time. And I remember walking up the stairs, and somebody DM'd me and was like, dude, you just sold a $30,000 cat. 
And like, wow. I almost fell over. Everything was broken. Everything was awful. I was almost in tears because everything was so fucking hard to manage the chaos of. And this $30,000 cat was like the best, worst thing in the fucking world. And from there, I just got crazy. Wow. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to even like, you know, kind of fathom back into that, that space, right? I think this is, you know, many people talk about we're still early, which, you know, we can, we can explain that side, but I think, you know, this idea of not only pushing, you know, the limits of a blockchain, but also like what the hell is like a digital collectible and, and how that world kind of comes to light. I'm, I'm curious from that, like initial, like, holy hell, this is something big. You know, there's, a, there's some, you know, there's many pro- uh, companies and projects, I think, that have spawned out of that. But like, what, you know, was, was the, like, was the ERC, was the ERC 721 kind of the, the standard, was it something that you felt was like missing or was it like a necessity for what you wanted to, or what the group of you know, people wanted to kind of implement? How did that like kind of, was it solving a problem? Where, where did that innovation kind of get born? Uh, I cannot take credit for that. I was the problem that led to the 721 standard. I was not the solution. Uh, I wasn't smart enough to be. So I always tell people that I was the kitty part of crypto kitties. Like I th- literally the statement I first made was we're going to make cats fuck to mine Bitcoin. Like that's a nonsensical statement, which we all know now, but I had no idea at the time. Uh, so it is my friend Dieter, who's the CTO over at Dapper Labs to this day. And he's the one who is like, listen, for us to be able to do what you want to do, you need to have a standard that works on the blockchain. I didn't understand what most of those words meant. Uh, but Dieter is, I don't know, it's, it's hard to overstate how smart that guy is. And not just in some like abstract kind of head in the clouds way, but in some very feet on the ground ways as well. Like how, how the real world is going to deal with your technology and thinking through human behaviors and motivations and aligning incentives in a lot of those very important blockchain things. So... No, I never said, like, you know what we need is a new technical standard that will align people's uh, <laughs> systems. It was Dieter who did that, and he was right, and I don't I don't know if he knew where he was going to get us to, but god damn, did he get us here. I mean, yeah, I mean, without question, right? I think the, I mean, I think that's why, for me, I, that quite, it's such an interesting spot. And, and you brought up a couple of things on, you know, not only from the idea of, like, taking ourselves too serious, but also, you know, like, recognizing that some of these things are like, you know, happy accidents. Other things are, you know, byproducts of things that we're doing. I'm curious from, you know, those early days, I mean, you had to have, I mean, more naysayers and haters and more of like the purists, um, you know, in the tech, you know, even in the crypto space, how did like a lot of that early days kind of work out? You mentioned, you know, telegram groups before um, discord, but like, what was it as wild, wild west as we kind of all would have assumed back then? Mm, yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah uh yeah everything was crazy and so so the big thing at the time and like i forget that some people weren't there so they don't remember this were the icos the initial coin offerings were 98 percent outright scams uh, and in fact, when we announced CryptoKitties, our wild, wild innovation, the crazy fucking thing that we did that literally nobody else in the space was doing is we said, we're going to build a product and then charge you money for the product, which is how we've been doing business to be clear for millennia as a species. But these ICOs got so ludicrous where people could raise hundreds of millions of dollars in hours in the most extreme cases uh without all all on a fucking white paper all on a promise of some strange thing that they were going to build that was going to come 
And so you can go look up the Medium blog post that I wrote where we announced CryptoKitties. And the banner I made, because I'm a Photoshop genius, I'm kidding, I'm not, it's terrible. But the banner I made was I took a stock picture of a cat, and I put a cloud bubble over its head, and it said, fuck your ICOs. Crypto, uh, well, I forget, whatever. Initial, uh, yeah, whatever. It said, fuck your ICOs. Uh, so, so there was, like, rampant fraud in the crypto space, taking on the very exciting form of ICOs and yeah, it was it was absolutely Wild West cowboy shit. And there's many people I love, I absolutely love the expression that history does not repeat itself, but it rhymes. And I think it's pretty easy to say that like where we're going with semi-anonymous or fully anonymous founding projects, like the number of you people who will go <laughs> throw millions of dollars at people you've never met and who refuse to acknowledge their real names on the internet. And then you're mad when you get rugged. What the fuck did you expect? Like, you walk up to some guy in New York who's like, hey, man, I got a good deal for you. And so you hand him all your money? Like, that's crazy. That's literally fucking crazy. And nobody would ever do that in real life. And if they did, we'd all be like, you're a buffoon. But in NFTs, that's currently the common behavior and is leading to a bunch of bullshit that we all know about. And that very closely resembles the patterns of the ICOs. Uh, and so I, I think I think it was a wild time, but I think we're sort of starting to see that wildness reemerge and it will, it will bottom out again and, you know, winter will come and then spring and summer will come. And this is the way. So, I mean, and I, and I like that you kind of, can put the, put that up to us to where we're at now. Right. I think, you know, for me, I, I like, you know, kind of that origin story, but I also like, you know, there's a lot of things that have come out that, you know, from based on my research, I, I got to, you know, went back and watched some of the, the interviews that you've get, you gave. I, I actually read some of the, you know, early, you know, interviews where people were asking you questions about like kind of the, the future of NFTs and, you know, and I'm a big believer in, you know, you know, I love, you know, I started talking about the blockchain in 2013 and I just said, like, I, I pray to God that cryptocurrency isn't the first use case um, that takes mass adoption of the blockchain. And of course I couldn't have been more wrong in my, uh, my pleading for that. And, and partially it was, you know, it had to do with what you kind of were saying with the, you know, the ICOs, the money grabbing the, you know, kind of fake it till you make it, you know, rug pull scenario, but we are, you know, where we're at now, like, you know, I'm curious just from your take, you know, is it, is it still, you know, what you kind of envisioned it would be when you guys were kind of looking at, at crypto kittens and then, I think flash forward, like what's your take on, you know, I, I, cause I mean, I think there's even something to be said about what we consider an NFT today in 2022 will be probably something we laugh about in 2026 in the sense of like how the projects were rolled out and the fact that we cared about ridiculous things like roadmaps with no timelines or dates on them. So I'm curious, like wh- from like where we're at right now, like what's your uh, current like state of the landscape and like kind of what excites you at the moment? Um, what excites me is that there are something between thousands and millions of people all over the world who don't look like me and don't think like me and don't have my experiences who are shaping this future. That's what makes this really, really interesting. Like, um, everybody loves to put Steve Jobs on a pedestal because of Apple and all that. And the thing, I mean, this is not about Steve Jobs, but the thing that I think that's interesting is the most important stuff that happened on mobile devices was not because of Steve Jobs or anything else. It was because you let Travis Kalkinick, who may be a giant prick, I have no idea. I get the sense the guy's a giant asshole. But Uber changed the world. Uber unconditionally changed the world. And there's no reality where 
Steve Jobs was going to invent Uber or all of the other. And you could literally say thousands of transformative apps that have happened on the app stores because the platform was put in place. So was it a closed platform, like a distinctly closed platform, like the Android ecosystem or the Apple ecosystem? Sure. And that's not the same as the blockchain. Like by definition, we are trying to burn down our corporate lords and decentralize all of this. But the part that matters that is the same is that you start to have a platform, aka a common interest among enough people that real innovation and ingenuity starts to emerge on all corners of the earth. We have 11 people who work at Big Head Club. So Oni Ronan, quick, uh, I'll do my plug later. But we have 11 people who work at Big Head Club. And I'm pretty sure they're in nine time zones and in nine countries. Uh, that's fucking awesome. That's be, be, Because I live in a shitty little suburb outside of Vancouver, Canada. I like it here, but do I think that the nine people who can help shape the future with me live within a 20-mile radius of me? Fuck no. Zero chance. So that's what really excites me is that, like, I have no idea what's coming. I really don't. My non – my non, I like to ask people, what is your opinion that you hold that, like, most smart people like you disagree about? My opinion in that regard is uh, that that we have too many PFPs. PFPs are just getting fucking started. You have 7 billion people approximately on Earth. Something like 5 billion of them are online. It's tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of that currently is on chain. But if we're all right, if we're all, if, if you're listening to this space, you probably believe in the future of decentralization and blockchain. And if that's the case, then we're just getting started with PFPs. We're just getting started with identity. PFP is short form. It's the Coles notes of decentralized identity. And that's just beginning. And that's really, really exciting. My stupid soundbite that I like to use is that uh, NFTs are the stars in the constellation of our identity. So um, who I am, I define by what I buy, right? Every piece of clothing that you've ever bought costs like $3 to manufacture. And every single penny that you spend on top of that, or sorry, $3 to manufacture and $2 to ship to you. And everything above that $5 price tag that you paid for that clothing was you trying to define yourself in public. It was you trying to say to other people, look at me, or even say to yourself in the mirror, but look at me, I'm the kind of person who wears this, I'm not the kind of person who does that. It's all identity. We are social beings at our core, and all we're trying to do is figure out how to signal what our values are to each other and to ourselves. And PFPs are just getting started in that, and blockchain is just getting started in that, and I have no idea how that plays out. Like, I don't know, once again, I don't know what the solution is. I never know what the solution is. But I kind of know what the problem is, or at least I have. A, I, I think I know what the problem is, and that is that we do not know how to define ourselves in a digital first world, and PFPs and NFTs and decentralization are going to get us there. Well, and I, I mean, I like that take. I would also argue that for for many people, they don't know how to. You know, we don't know how to define ourselves in a non-digital world either, right? The idea that you know, most people discover things about like the people that they care about or, or like your best friend is because that like they decided to open up and like, kind of share, you know, who you are with the world or, or whatever that may be. Um, I, I love that take. And I, I, I like to take also on, you know, this identity com- uh, conversation and I, you know, with what you're doing at Big Head, like, you know, you've had, you know, from things with, you know, Top Shot to Ghostbusters uh, to even, you know, with Stoner Cats, with, uh, you know, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, like how is, how, like, or when you look back at some of these like different projects that, you know, either you're directly involved in or you've been involved in, you know, through, uh, you know, the network, like how do you look at like the, like the common through line of like kind of all of those different kind of connections and projects? 
So the one thing that we are trying to do at Big Head Club, and we were doing at Dapper beforehand without ever even having to state it explicitly, it was just by definition, is we're trying to push this whole thing forward. Uh, we are trying to iterate and trying to expand what's happening here. So let me let me give you some specifics on that. Though my friends at Deadheads get very mad when people call us the first animated unlockable content nft what up deadheads yes you guys are awesome yes you guys are first your cartoon looks fucking great i'm a proud owner of deadheads but um when we got started trying to map out stoner cats nobody had ever seen anything like that it was like let's try something new let's lock content behind a community that's proud to own the items then we did oni ronin which is the account that i'm calling you from oni ronin is an absolutely incredible nft we teach Japanese history with university level, literally like Concordia level university professors teaching you about late Edo period history. And in order to attend that class, which would cost you hundreds or thousands of dollars at university, all you have to do is own one of our NFTs. On top of that, there's this insane bravery mechanic where the art is the craziest shit that was launched last year outside of Galaxy Eggs. Where's my guy? Everybody look at Buja Day's profile. That's a Galaxy Egg. I had nothing to do with it. I just love it. Besides that, Oni Ronin had the best art in the fucking game, full stop. And you can go and ascend every one of your Oni Ronin in the Trial of Ascension to see if you have one of the 88 golden underneath. And whether you pass or fail, you are going to be able to hear a real historical death haiku written by a samurai in the last 800 years. And we got real death haiku that we locked in that shit that you unlocked through your Trial of Ascension. And then, like I said, you can go do your history classes. You can go do your Zen meditations that we do every day as a group. You can go do the haiku lessons, the fucking tea ceremonies. And then Ghostbusters. And my, my disappointment about Ghostbusters is everybody, understandably, is focused on the crazy IP that we landed, which is Ghostbusters, and not on the insane mechanic that we put in that. And that is that there is a mob. And the mob are 500 extra NFTs that will run around from wallet to wallet if you have one of our Ghostbusters already in your wallet. Well, hey, okay, hey, I got to tap in there real quick because one popped into my wallet and I was freaking so excited and then realized I didn't have the trap. So yeah. I went and bought the trap. And by the time I got the trap back in my damn wallet, the damn thing was gone. Shit. So I was one of those people that like, so right now I have a trap and a Ghostbuster sitting in my wallet that like, I will tell you, I have notifications on since that day where I'm like, damn, it came in my wallet. It was the, I, I saw it like within minutes of it arriving and it, and it disappeared. And so I'm one of the ones that kind of saw that. And I still have a trap now just for that, you know, chance that it comes back around. So I was impressed with that level of the tech from the jump. I thought that was such a, a creative way of doing things. Nobody nobody has ever done anything like that to the standard. And I'll be fully honest with you, I still don't fucking understand how we did it. Because I am the kitty, not the crypto, part of crypto kitties. And I realize this is not as big head, but like our engineer, Andrew, who just did Doomsday NFT, check out doomsdaynft.io. It's not a big head project, but it's our lead engineer's side project. Fucking wild thing that he just put together. So, so the point that I'm trying to make is that we are always trying to push technical innovation forwards, trying to do new things, trying to continue to redefine the standards and the expectations of this industry. And we kind of fuck up by hiding some of that magic inside celebrity. It's a weird thing where we're like, yeah, no, like Mila's fucking awesome. She's literally, Mila Kunis is an amazing human being. She's a friend. I'm fond of her and she's great. But people don't usually ask me about decentralizing Hollywood and what is the nature of content locked behind an NFT and how do you think about the future, all that playing out. They ask me how Mila's doing. I'm like, oh my God, no, that's the wrong question, you know? 
No, I, I love that. And I, I, I even changed my, my PFP to my, to my ghost trap here on Twitter, just to, uh, to, to show that that ghost trap is actually sitting in my wallet, uh, at that moment. Uh, and so I'm curious too, on that, like, so, you know, I sense, you know, and maybe I, you can tell me I, I'm full of shit, but maybe not. Um, I sense there's a little bit, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, I have a screenshot of me taking a screenshot of everyone, uh, in May, on Clubhouse, which is where I spent a lot of my time last year, um, with their bored ape as their profile photo. And I, and I took a screenshot and sent it to a friend and said, look at these idiots that are spent $400 on this ape and they're now using it as their profile photo on Clubhouse. And like for me, like that's kind of how I remember kind of May of, of last year. And it was around that time that it was someone that kind of like opened my eyes to the idea of what a true smart contract was. And then I, all of a sudden I started leaning in on a couple other things. And of course, uh, you know, got to, uh, you know, tap into what Gary and, you know, what VaynerMedia was, you know, involved in. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm one of those ones where I'm not, you know, I will never claim that say like, Hey, I was in the crypto game early or in the NFT game early, but I'm curious, like, you know, there's part of it where, there are people now that want to help, like you said, you know, from all different walks of the world, want to help, you know, push innovation forward and what's possible forward. While at the same time, there's also kind of like this, like, you know, um, bitter, slightly bitter OG world of, hey, we were here first, you know, pay homage, bow to the man or woman um, on how that kind of works together. I'm curious, like your take on you know, those that are pushing things forward um, with the idea of like, you know, how do we how do we continue to push forward while also kind of, you know, reuniting a lot of these, you know, kind of innovative minds together? Right? I, I love the projects that you've mentioned. Uh, we will include a, a bunch of these in the show notes. And I love you know what you're doing with Oni Ronin. Like, I think that's such a cool um, use case, right? That we, when we talk about education and unlocking education and culture and how do you, you know, connect technology under that. But like, how do you look at it from like, I mean, I, cause I can sense that you like the thing that you loved um, you mentioned about your team is you have a very diverse team from around the world that are coming together to do innovative shit. But I'm curious, like, how would you advise or recommend or like look at the space from a standpoint of like, how do we continue to collaborate rather than what it seems like in some cases have this desire to step on each other's throat as we try to you know climb the ladder? Uh, so, first of all, we all need to stop taking ourselves so fucking seriously. Like, full stop. Not just in NFTs, but in everything. If you're not getting a bomb dropped on you by Russia right now, shut the fuck up. Your problems aren't that bad, for the most part. Uh, you know, with with exceptions to everybody who's going through something, but we all take ourselves and our work so seriously, and it's a little bit ridiculous. And the other thing is that people need to calm the fuck down about NFTs. If you hate NFTs, okay. That's cool. Let's not talk about them. And if you love NFTs, that's cool too. But again, we don't have to talk about them. The number of tweets that I see from people who are like, oh my God, I was talking to this art dealer and they didn't get NFTs and I had to get out of that room as soon as possible. Why? Why didn't you talk about your grandma's fucking borscht recipe? Why didn't you talk about the episode of Peacemaker that you watched on fucking whatever not Disney, <laughs> whatever is the not Disney channel. Like, like there's this whole life and world that's going on and people are so tribal and inside the NFT community, we're being tribal about like, Oh my God, can you believe that this project did that? And those people didn't do this. And the floor of this one is this. And, 
but but at least we're like, okay, well, we're all NFT people. And those people aren't NFT people. Everybody needs to fucking relax. We're all just hanging out. We're all people. We agree on some things now. We disagree on other things. There's a very, very serious chance that three weeks from now, whatever you're fighting about doesn't matter. So be fucking cool. The other thing I would tell you is that, um, and maybe this is like a practical answer to what you're talking about. Maybe, maybe not. Let me just ramble for a second. Uh, so when you, when you, when you try and like do a startup and start a gaming company, and all this shit, and you go raise some money from VCs, they're going to tell you, oh no, don't, don't pan for gold in a gold rush. You got to be the picks and shovels. This is the default thing that people will tell you provide the tools to the people doing the work that way, no matter who wins, you win. And, and I understand why investors have that perspective. That's like a rational sort of thing. Uh, my current hypothesis is that the picks and shovels of NFTs are games and play and gaming together. So a community is not a discord of angry people yelling when moon developer do something. This is, this is what most discords that I've ever seen look like. While everything's going well, everybody's really excited. While things are not going well, everybody's really shitty. And those are like the two states. There's not interesting. There's not a lot of thoughtful dialogue. It's not a real community. It's a bunch of people temporarily aligned around an interest. I have this feeling that we need to get these communities to play together. And so that's actually something we're working on at Big Head right now is a, the picks and shovel of NFTs is serving those communities, is giving them all something to do together. It's giving them a way to play. Like, basically, let's have a fucking Lollapalooza. Let's all get together and hang out and maybe would stop being so shitty to each other if we started actually seeing each other. One of the most important Instagram accounts I ever saw was called Teenagers in Palestine, something like Teenagers in Palestine. And it was a bunch of kids playing basketball and shit. And they looked exactly like the kids up the street from me. And it was very, very easy to understand that they were just like me. But to be honest, I ain't really seen too many Palestinian teenagers in my life, and it's very easy to think that that's a strange and foreign, exotic thing on the other side of the world. But as soon as I understood what we had in common, it was very visceral. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, of course. Of course those people are just like these people, because we're all people. And that's what the NFT motherfuckers are missing, is that we're all just people, and so my short-term solution for how, to, not short-term, but my, like, what should we be doing is we should just fucking play together, man. Like, pick up the basketball and play some pickup basketball. Or in the case of um, NFTs, play Judas with me. There's your alpha. There's some hot new shit called Judas coming from Big Head. Ooh. No. I like some alpha drop there. Um, and I will say, like, for me, I think I, I have a very similar kind of aha. And it was, you know, in New York for uh, NFT NYC. And just, you know, getting to know and connecting with so many people from diverse backgrounds from, you know, we had a developer sitting next to an artist sitting next to a photographer sitting next to a, a VC startup sitting next to a, a domain, uh, you know, Maverick. And we were all kind of just sitting around having fun, kind of, you know, kind of geeking out about, you know, the world that we live in and the fact that we were all kind of brought together because of, you know, these silly art, you know, art online. So um, I appreciate that a lot. I, I like that, that take on things as well. Um, you know, for, you gave some alpha on Big Head. Um, you know, I'm curious, and I think we'll kind of wrap, pull this thing together. I'm curious from a standpoint of, you know, I, I've, I think I've heard you mention, uh, you know, in a, I think it was in another interview. It might've been in a, a 
it might have been a blog post. I don't, I don't know either one. Um, you mentioned something on the idea of like um, you know pitching Tinder about uh, including uh, NFT profiles, and you said like why would we like why is Spotify like what we listen to in our our Tinder profile when it probably should just be like you know our NFT collection because it says more about who we are. And I will say like I read that and I was like holy hell like it's so true because. My what I'm collecting, what I'm buying, what I want to represent myself is way more aligned with like my values than um, the music itself. So I'm curious, like, have, has do you believe like that's still a I mean a place that we're going? I know you know we're we're far from mass adoption, and there's plenty of things coming down the pipe. But I, I just I just wanted to highlight that because I, I was like a a little bit of like an aha for me on like you're right, NFTs should be kind of integrated into dating apps as well. Yeah, so if you agree with the statement I made earlier that constellation, uh, NFTs are the stars in the constellation of our identity, then the NFTs that you own, and it's probably not the NFTs that you own because you degen motherfuckers go buy so many of them and you're going to flip them, but like the three NFTs that you are most proud of, that should absolutely be on your dating profile. And if you don't have one, that's fine. That's an interesting part of your dating profile as well. Like, no, I don't actually like NFTs or I don't own NFTs. That's fine. Either of those I don't know or I don't like. But if I do have some, don't go look at my whole wallet because that's me being a, you know, speculator asshole. Just look at these three that I'm proud of. For me, that would be like Sad Girls Bar, dot, 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 Oni Ronin and Stoner Cats. Something like that, right? That, th those are the things, and that's not even talking about my punk because I had that motherfucker on my ledger. Uh, but the, the thing for you to know is that the head of product at Tinder at that point was an investor in Dapper Labs, which is why I was able to very easily pitch NFT integrations in 2017 to Tinder, and he got it. He was a smart dude. He's always been a smart dude. And he said to me, this is really cool. I would love to do this. If you cannot look at me with a straight face and tell me how this is going to make me a hundred million dollars, then I don't get to begin thinking about this. It does not move the needle at scale. And that was interesting for a couple of reasons. One, because at the time, in 2017, probably 2018, actually, by then, there was zero fucking chance that you're going to do $100 million in moving the needle on a mobile integration of your NFTs, point one. Point two, mobile and NFTs still don't work well together. They, like, even today, in 2022, people tell me they're doing mobile NFT things, and I start to, like, back away cautiously, which is dumb, and we got to sort that out. I can tell you about what Google told me about that. But three, we now live in a time where... NFT integrations in Tinder done interesting and thoughtfully could definitely make Tinder $100 million, no problem. And four, what's more interesting and like, why haven't we seen it? Probably because the whole world isn't filled with dorks like us. But where is the NFT first dating app? Not that it includes your NFTs, but where's the one where like, you know, we swipe left and right on NFTs. And if you swipe the same way on three NFTs, then you get a list of people who made the same swipes as you, and now you can get dropped into a DM with them. That shit would be fucking cool. Somebody should go build that shit. I should go build that. Uh, I, I'd support that. I, you know, I, I was literally updating my my Tinder profile now, uh, <laughs> uh, and I actually I like the idea of like your your popular three, right? Like not not so we're peacocking with our entire wallet, but what are like the three we represent uh, the most? And you and you did mention uh, Sad Girls Bar, and, and uh, I do believe we we locked them in to be on the podcast uh, in the near future as well. So excited to kind of uh, connect those dots. Uh, and I'll say like the, the other part that I, I, I was kind of laughing. 
uh, through that, you know, that piece of it is, you know, I think there's also this, I, you know, this premise of, you know, like the, like, what does that all look like? And I'll say a good friend of mine launched uh, a book app. It's called Booksy. Um, and it's actually, it's like Booksy for, uh, you know, dating. So you actually swipe left and swipe right and you discover your favorite books, but they are adding the component where you can also, when you swipe right, you can also see who others uh, swiped right that are also single that also that read that same book that you had. Uh, so I think it's very similar in that like premise of like of, of connecting these dots. So uh, Mac, I, hey, I just want to say thanks for uh, jumping on the podcast, uh, sharing your take. Uh, give us a little bit about so Oni Ronin. You can it's currently minting right now. Give us a little bit about current state of that. Yeah. So here's 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 the thing that I do that I don't think anybody else has been doing. We did not sell out the mint on Oni Ronin. And everybody tries to hide that and then they relaunch or whatever. I'm like, fuck it, whatever. We did a shitty job of marketing Oni Ronin when we launched. We did not sell out. And instead of walking away from that, we're tripling down. We got comics coming. Like I've, I've got I've got a hundred page comic designed by a team in Japan because we want to pay respect to the culture, not fucking tramp on it like a bunch of shitty mediocre white men. So we have some Japanese people writing the Oni Ronin comic for us. We have the Kitsune drop, which is the Fox spirits that come with Kitsune that will be launching in a couple of weeks. We're doing a bunch of shit to like just go further and further, further into Oni Ronin land. We cut the mint on Ghostbusters because, to be honest, Sony were amazing partners, but there's only so much you can do with giant corporate partners on an NFT project. Oni Ronin, we just ride this motherfucker till we're dead. So go get your Oni Ronin at oniRonin.io. And I I truly believe that you will not find a community. And I'm not saying, oh, it's the best community, is this and that. It is uniquely education-focused. Three, four, five times a week, you will find a real event focused on the history and the people and the culture of Edo period Japan inside the Oni Ronin Discord. It's intriguing. And we got a bunch of free, cool, weird shit because the DGens like free shit. Uh, and the comic will blow your fucking mind. I love it, Mac. Thanks so much for, for joining us here on uh, NFT365. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, as always, we are super powered by the ADHD coin over on rally.io. Check it out at ADHDcoin.com. Until tomorrow, my friends, make it a good one. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mac. That was great. I, I appreciate you. Awesome.